you know what really ruined a show for me? And maybe I'm, maybe I'm, maybe this is particular to South by Southwest because we're here right now. But I had, I was like three people behind a guy that was had his flash on and was taking selfies Ooh, of him yeah. and some gal pals. And I was tr- like really with in- like a stick or no? No, no stick, but like like doing the selfie thing with the flash on the selfie, like directly back in my eyeballs. What what is something that ruins the show for you and why? People, I think in Manchester, have this thing where they like to clap on the off time. That keeps that's happened like three times to us, where people are it's like do it to everybody. So like you're going one, two, three, and they'll like do the off time to try to throw you off. So that's I've, I've never noticed anyone doing that. Oh, it's happened. It happens. It what sounds else? it sounds terrible. It was. Um, bands that play for more than 30 minutes, but sometimes I do that too. Um, drum hardware acting weird. Uh, sexist jerks saying anything and everything. No one yeah. dancing. People no one dancing. Dance. People gotta dance or we're out. When people text, when I can watch them text while I'm while I'm playing. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna wrap up because I know that yeah. you have to do another interview for real. But I will tell you my my most hated one that ruins the show when someone rocked us, which is farting uh, the whole show. People do that. People do that. While you're playing, people are farting. What? Like Think it's about on that. An airplane? Like they're on a plane? Yeah. Which I don't like when people do that. No, but the, like, but just they in just, your face. Why? Because that's what people that? do. Because really? they're rude. While you're playing, just, people like, the are music farting. Music is loud, and so yeah. no one can tell. Yeah, no, we can tell. That's. Fucked up. I had no uh, idea. Dude, it's happening, Tal. I'm never going to a show. Yeah. Never have. It's happening. Yeah. You are listening to episode 10 of the Sub Pop Podcast. This was going to be the final episode of the podcast this season. I am Arwen Nix here with the luminescent Alyssa Atkins. Hello. Hello, episode 10. Episode 10. But it's not the final episode. It's not. More on that later. More on that later. You just heard from Becca Zeitz. She was at South by Southwest. So was Hardly Arts Jason Baxter. We deputized them, asked them to go out and talk to bands. Some Sub Pop bands, some Hardly Art bands, some bands that they just ran into that were willing to talk to us including members from Shearwater Still Corners, Dude York, Ian and Tao and the Get Down Stay Down all talking about what ruins a show for you Becca Zeitz, Sub Pop employee yeah Talker, Dank Crystal Dank Crystal, She's founder great. founder of the Dank Crystal, we'll link to that on the website um, so Alyssa what ruins a show for you before we get any further I was going to try and come up with something clever but the truth is it's just when tall people stand in front of me do you ever, like, tap him on the shoulder? No, I usually can't reach up my hand. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no. Do you say anything? Sure, but it's like, you know, the same person that's just going to stand in front of a shorty is going to be like, yeah, deal with it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess for me, though, I'm just usually in the back anyway. I'm f- I find my spot and I stay there and you're probably not going to get me there. I often hang back at a show. There are a few bands that will get me to really get up in there. Yeah. I like to be up close, though, if I'm going to be really in it. And then it's just, don't talk to me. I'm at the show. I'm just in this. Focus. Yeah. I'm having my time. Yeah. I mean, you're going to the show. It's true. So this episode, we are 
doing some more fulfilling more of our promise to talk to people adjacent to Sub Pop Records. Who are we talking to? Uh, today we're talking to David Dickinson, who is the man behind Seattle label Suicide Squeeze. Right, he founded it, he runs it, he does everything for Suicide Squeeze, right? He is Suicide he Squeeze. He is Suicide Squeeze. And that label is amazing. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk to him about that and what it's like to be a label for 20 years here in Seattle. And we're also going to talk to Stacy Peck, who I've mentioned so many times in the podcast. And now we get to hear from Stacy. One of her bands, Childbirth, is on Suicide Squeeze. Small world. So we're just making those connections there. I know. I wonder if we've talked about Stacy Peck more indirectly or Mark Arm. I kind the of... count could be pretty close. Yeah, if someone both. wants to go back and listen through the episodes and send us a tally, we would appreciate it. Might not talk about them. I feel like I can't get through the day without talking about Stacy. That's a lovely compliment. She's a wonderful, wonderful person. I, I feel wonder, very lucky to know her. I wonder if upon further reflection, I can't get through the day without talking about Mark. I would say that's true of you. <laughs> I think we've got our people. Mark, I think I care about you more than I ever even realized. <laughs> through working on this podcast. Hey, buddy. (laughs) I've known Stacy for years. I first met her, well, like, kind of met her. I used to deliver pizzas to her, but I didn't know her. I just thought she had these... knowing her pizza. (laughs) I I knew her pizza delivery, and I knew she had these big, beautiful blue eyes. And then when I moved back from um, Los Angeles back to Seattle, we became friends. She was working at the Redwood as a cook. And what's funny about that is years later, when I asked if I could interview her for this, we were at the Redwood, and which is this bar in Seattle uh, that is owned. One of the owners is Matt Brooke, who was in Grand Archives and is now in the band Rudy Waltz. And they let us use the back room uh, to do the interview in. <laughs> Matt wasn't there. I'm not sure if he knows that. Matt, thank you. I'm not sure if you knew that, but I really appreciate using the back room in the Redwood to do this interview. Was John working while you were doing the interview? It was either John or Jen. John, who does the illustrations for this uh, podcast. Yes. Who's also on Suicide Squeeze. In 764 Hero. In 764 Hero. And also, it's my husband. Yeah. And also, it's my friend. Um, how I first learned about Stacy was through some of these people we've mentioned already because oh. they sent me a link to her video, Go Find Your Own for yes. Pony Time, because they knew I would love it. It's and I so did. Good. I loved it so much. And who directed it? Marcy None other Stone. Than yes. Marcy Stone. Uh, episode something. Something. One of those episodes <laughs> that we've done. Seattle videographer. I yeah. love it. It's a great video. I love my videos. We will definitely put that on subpop.fm. You should check that out. Um, and there'll be some other recommendations that come from this interview with Stacy. But let's let Stacy t- speak for herself. Yeah. Here is the formidable Stacy Peck. I like to come up with a song that is like gonna be the anthem of tour and get everybody really pumped on it and then kind of sneak it in uh, every once in a while and really crank it up. Like like what, what kind of song? Like when Pony Time went on tour with Chastity Belt, uh, we got really into the song Who Let the Dogs Out? And it got to the point where we like had to hear it before shows. We had to hear it after the show. If we went like a couple hours without hearing it, we'd start kind of feeling weird, freaking out a little bit. Jones and for who let the dogs out, and we play. We started listening to dis- different versions of it, like remix versions. Are there a lot of remix versions of who let the dogs out? Oh yeah, a lot. There's a really good one that's um, 
There's a children's one that's pretty good. There's one that's all cats singing Who Let the Dogs Out. When you hear the song Who Let the Dogs Out now, what do you feel inside? I still get really excited when I hear it. And it part of me just wants to jump up and just dance dance my troubles away every time I hear it. I want to also ask you a few questions about some of the super groups that you've been in. The Gals of Red Book, which was a favorite of mine. And then um, your most recent, Childbirth. How did Childbirth get started? I met Julia Shapiro, who's the singer of Chastity Belt, too, uh, when she came to a show. Or wait, no. I met her when she played her band Chastity Belt played a show with the Gals of Red Book at Chop Suey. Um, and we thought that they were really, really good. And then she moved to Seattle and was hanging out with my now girlfriend at a team dress show, also at Chop Suey, that Pony Time was playing at. And we uh, decided that we should play music together because we both had a lot of free time at the time and wanted to have band practice. So then we wrote a few songs, just the two of us together, um, like Cross Bitch and maybe Menopause. Uh. And then that was when Bree McKenna, the bass player of Taco Cat, and I had just started talking again after having a terrible breakup. About two weeks after we started talking again, she got... Um, kicked out of this band she was in for not playing guitar good enough. This is a secret. <laughs> not really. Um, and so I said that she could try playing with Childbirth a little bit to see how it went. So I think that so many of the bands that you've been in have all been so excellent. They've been most excellent. I'm curious why you think Childbirth is getting so much attention. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's really cool, and I'm proud of this band, but I don't know why this band and not other bands I've been in. Um, I think it's just kind of, we're in the right place at the right time as far as like where things are with politics right now and the music scene in Seattle and how it's so... Um, supportive of women musicians right now and all of especially with um, people are really really into chastity belt and taco cat right now and it just makes sense that they would like this band I guess is there anything that I haven't asked you about that you wish you got asked more in interviews I don't know like I've been doing so many interviews lately and there's always a thing at the time I'm like God, I don't know how to answer this question, but I wish that you would ask me about hot tubs right now or something like that, because it's, I just, what I'm really into changes so rapidly, I feel like, um, but I'm definitely like 100% into something so much for about four days. <laughs> kind of back into House Hunters, the TV show. So if someone who works on House Hunters is listening to this, pitch, pitch yourself to work on House Hunters. What do you want to do? 
I think I'd be good at getting people like really riled up before they go on the show. Cause everybody's such a dick when they go in and look at the places. Like they're not happy with anything. They're looking for a four bedroom, three bath house on the beach, but also close to Sam's work. It's gotta have a two car garage. It's gotta have curb appeal, but it's also gotta have old world charm and be a Cape Cod. It's unbelievable. And they never agree on anything. Every couple should absolutely break up. I wish they had a marriage counselor there with them. I think that would be an added aspect of the show. Maybe there could be like a House Hunters five years later where you go back to the house and see if the couple is still living there and if they're still together. Oh my God, I would watch that show. And the show's been on since 1999. It has not. It has too. We need to pitch a House Hunters reunion show where you go back to like the most, like the couples that people remember the most because there's gotta be those notorious couples. I definitely want to know what's up with the couple from Boston who was number one requirement was no ghosts. I feel like I watched one once and the woman's uh, number one requirement was pretty doorknobs. <laughs> yes. It's the weirdest shit. It makes no sense. Yeah, and thanks again to the Redwood for allowing keg chairs. Were <laughs> you guys sitting on kegs doing that we were We were standing between boxes of beer doing oh, that interview. It's yeah. like your own Zach Galifianakis between two boxes of beer. <laughs> yes. Something yeah, like that. Yeah, between two boxes of beer. It's, um, it's great. Thanks to Stacy. And also wonderful. House Hunters and hot, hot Tubs. Right? Yeah, I want to talk about that She too. made me want to watch House Hunters again. Yeah, that is a good show. And 1999? I can't believe it's been on that long. My God. It's like a great bad show. Um, okay, you know what else is right here in Seattle? Mega Mart ads. Yes. Made by our own Stuart Fletcher. Which, how did those come to be again? Well, I, I feel like a little history lesson is fair on our 10th episode. Okay. So Stuart Fletcher has been part of this process basically from the beginning when the podcast was just an idea and he was willing to help. He did some interviews uh, like our interview last episode with Mike Kunkka, which is one of my favorites. Definitely. Um, he did an interview for the very first episode and with Jonathan Myberg. But Stuart wasn't super into doing interviews. but he really, Other than those two. Other than those two. But he really wanted to help. Um, and he does so much for the show. He writes all the show notes. He runs the website. He's like been super supportive and definitely a part of this and um, has been willing to do the Megamart ads, which he didn't really want to do at no, first. It was painful, right? Yeah. Well, granted, the first one was under a blanket, literally under a blanket being made to just <laughs> tell you anything he could about the Megamart. Yeah. And I just like took his outtakes and used them for the first few ads, which I wasn't sure how that was going to go over uh, with him or the audience, but people seem to like it to the point where so many people have said, oh, the Megamart ads, that's my favorite part. Yeah. To which, which is... we're both 
<laughs> Thank you. Oh, that's your favorite? I mean, it's great, but it's your favorite part. But okay. And so much so that not only are they some people's favorite parts of the shows, but they're some of the staff members' favorite parts. So much so that they want to do them instead of Stuart. People are trying to dethrone Stuart. Actively. Actively. Actively looking to oust him in favor of themselves. So before we say anything else, let us just play for you. Oh, that's true. The last Megamart ad of season one of the Sub Pop Podcast. Take it away, Stuart. What do I want people to know? Yeah, I mean, last advertisement, last Megamart ad of season one of the Sub Pop Podcast. Well, I I think we should probably answer the question that's on everybody's mind. Am I coming back for season two? Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was actually thinking about that today. Uh Uh-huh. Like, Uh (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what season two is going to be like, so I don't know if these kind of Megamart ads are going to make it in. Right. So, oh, let's do this. Okay. If you want Stuart to come back for season two, write to us. Just put in the subject line, save Stuart. (laughs) You better spell my name. Oh my God, you can't do that. You can't be so picky. Okay. They're trying to save you. Okay. Write to us at podcast at subpop.com with save Stuart in the subject line. You can also put in there other things you would like to hear us talk about on the podcast. Good luck, Stuart. I hope you make it. Okay, so the question is, do we hear from Stuart again? Season two? We're figuring out season two right now. It Should is up stick to around? you, listeners. You got to write in. Save Stuart. Stuart's mom. We're hoping we can count on <laughs> she, one or I'm two. I'm not going to count all 15 of her emails if she does write in 15 <laughs> times, but I will absolutely let her count for two, for sure. <laughs> but please do write in if you want us to save Stuart. You can reach us at podcast at subpop.fm. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, you know what else is interesting is uh, Suicide Squeeze, David yes. Dickinson. I'm so excited for this one. Um, talk about going back a little bit. He was, I think, the first interview I ever did. So I chose someone I really like and trust and someone who I know is just interesting and doing cool things in the world to talk to. He let me come over to his house while his little dogs were running around and he was having to manage them while talking to me because um, they were making sure to let their presence be known. It's pretty funny. So kind and so thoughtful. Really. But so what's interesting is there's, and this comes up in this, but where Sub Pop and Suicide Squeeze are so intertwined and in kind of surprising ways and in just, you know, two labels being in the same city for a long time. And me knowing David, the one aspect that I don't necessarily know about him is what it's like to work directly with him or for him. But right. I happen to sit right next to <laughs> Becca Zeitz who we already heard from in this episode. So we thought we should bring her down here and have her talk about what it's like to work for David because she did for many years. All right, you wanna grab her? her. I'm gonna get her. So 
So, Becca, thank you for going out to South by Southwest and talking to so many people about so many things. <laughs> it was good. You lost your voice a little bit. I lost my voice. Was that from all the interviewing or just from yelling at shows? It's just it's just from the, the pure rock. <laughs> the pure rock. This is what rock and roll sounds like? Yeah. No, I just am so raspy to begin with that whenever I go to a show and yell over someone, something, I just lose my voice. So, what do you do here at Sub Pop? I do publicity, international marketing, and A&R. But before you worked here, you worked over at Suicide Squeeze, right? I did. What were you doing there? I was the label manager. What does that mean? That means that I did wore many, many tiny hats <laughs> that were on top of big hats <laughs> and worked very, very closely with one David Dickinson. David Dickinson, who Alyssa spoke to, and we're going to be playing that interview in a minute. So tell us a little bit about David. What's, how would you describe him? Oh, man. David is the funniest, most inappropriate, kindest, smartest, inappropriate person I've ever met in the entire world. He's also somewhat notorious for uh, the way he hugs. How would you describe Ooh. getting hugged by David? It, he is a master hugger. A master hugger. He like, when you, I've never gotten a hug like that before. He takes you in, in a way that's like, you're kind of like on a cloud together. Like Show you, me. You I like want ascend. you to hug me the way David hugs people. Okay. I don't know if I have the power. I don't think that? I do. All right. I'm doing it. I mean, he kind of just like, it's like a long. Oh, this is nice. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. Felt, that felt good. As I fall off the chair. And what's crazy about David too is that he is a, I mean, he was a jock. He was like a, he went to college to be a baseball player. What? Which is what Suicide Squeeze is named after. Like, I think he was like the runner up for prom king in his high school. A member of the royal court in high school. Yeah. Interesting. I, I wouldn't have guessed that. I think he would be a member of the of the current day court of if there was prom, like indie rock prom. I think he could make prom <laughs> king. Maybe this is something we need. Modern day prom, like adult prom. Adult indie prom? Yeah, Seattle adult indie prom. Isn't that like every show? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> is there anything else you want to tell us about David? He really is just like the kindest, most caring person that I've ever, I don't know, that I've ever met. And I feel really lucky to have gotten the chance to work with that dude. With me, I was just, you know, young, and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with my life. I started hanging out with my wife, Polly, and, uh, you know, she ended up getting into the band with John and 764 Hero. I was lucky enough that they let me weasel my way along on a lot of the tours, like selling merch for them and helping them. And through that, I was able to meet a lot of people in music and, of course, see a lot of great bands. and just kind of immerse myself in what was going on. And I was always a fan of music, but not talented enough to, to be able to play it myself. And so I thought that because my love of it continued to grow, I thought like, well, that would be a good way to get involved. And I, I could put out some records and kind of see where, see where it leads me. You know, when I think about those those first few releases that we did, you know, 764 Hero was nice enough to allow me to put out a 7-inch for them as our first release. 
second and fourth releases were from a band from San Francisco called the Scenic Vermont, and I actually met them through going on a tour with 764 here. I met them down in uh, San Francisco. You know, Modest Mouse again back up to the Northwest, and then Elliot Smith, who I'd been a huge fan of and I still am. But again, that was, you know, he happened to be dating this woman that was playing in a band that 764 Hero was on tour with, and so he came to hang out. And now it's a lot different. I mean, I think about, you know, it's just like a hyper-speed world, I feel like, that we live in, or bands who put up, like, one song and they're getting signed, where before it was like you could have some conversations and really, like, get to know folks and, and find out if, you know, the relationship was there, if, if you felt like this was someone that you wanted to invest in, not only from a business standpoint, but also personally, just wanting, you know, to have someone, a band of those type of people in your life, so. Do you think that bands know what they're getting themselves into when they go on tours? It doesn't really matter if you're best friends with people or not. You're just going to irritate each other. It's just the way that it is. I do feel like the relationships that I have with the bands are big, meaningful relationships to me. Some of my closest friends are people that I work with. You know, plenty of bands uh, come and go, but I've also had steady relationships with bands. I guess maybe the first one being uh, Minus the Bear, whatever it is, six or seven releases with them. It's a band that I started working with very early on, uh, I want to say 2000, um, but someone that I still work with up and up until this time, you know, seeing them get, you know, marriages, babies, divorces, all that stuff. My latest one is with this band, The Coat Hangers from Atlanta, that I've worked with now for eight years, I guess it is. started a band when they didn't even know how to play their instruments you know they just wanted to play music and that was at a time when and I was thinking like man I, I need to get back to like why I wanted to do this in the first place like what made it fun you know and just people that were stoked on music and wanted to be involved in it and people that were going to work hard and just like you know sweet folks and that's that's great. You know, Suicide Squeeze is a small label, and the best I can tell it always will be, but I, I do know that the work that we do 
you know, that might necessarily be making people famous, but it's definitely putting them in a better place than, than where they were before they came to the label. And that means a lot to me, especially like being able to pay out royalties on a regular basis to people that I've worked with for long periods of time and know that that's helping them in whatever way is, is a big deal to me. What do you want to see Suicide Squeeze in the next five years? For me, it's like just to keep it going. I've been lucky enough to have this as my job and doing something that I love for my life's work and not a lot of people can, can say that that's the case for them. That always keeps me, I guess, hungry to keep things going. I do know that I want to continue to do this as long as it's making me happy and that's where I'm at right now. We have our 20 year anniversary coming up and so a lot of my planning has been around what we can do to celebrate our 20th. And then beyond that, I think it's just continuing to work with, with people I'm excited about. and. When you think about the community and you think about Seattle in general, I mean, we could take it wider with community, but if you bring it down to city of Seattle, a lot of the luxuries that we have, as far as like being in the music business and stuff like that, wouldn't have happened if there wasn't a Sub Pop or Barsook Records, Hardly Art. You know, I remember in some of the leaner years for Sub Pop, you know, you hear the stories like, oh, what's going to happen and stuff like that, but it's like, well, you never hope that anything bad's gonna happen because it would just leave a giant hole in, in Seattle, so. I mean, I really think that, I think you got it. I think you did a great job, so. <laughs> thank you so much. Okay, Alyssa, so we heard it from Becca. I've heard it from a few other people. I want you to weigh in on David's hugs. David's hugs are going to, they're like a chiropractic visit. (laughs) They're going to realign you. They're going to get you right with the world. And it's not, I mean, I feel like it's kind of like um, making it seem like he's going around hugging everyone, just open, like he's, it's just if you get a hug from him. He's not like the guy with the free hug sign. No. (laughs) <laughs> I think I don't think he'd like us talking about his hugging at all. Actually, I'm, I can feel his distaste for this conversation. I'm it's sorry. Just, okay, then let's switch it. Let's switch it. I will say here is one of the other few things that I know about David and him being so thoughtful in running this record label. The few bands that I know that have worked with him have nothing but good things to say about him. Childbirth, he made a cake for. Oh yeah, no that guy. And the thing about him is like he is really funny. He's really thoughtful. He's really like crazy with his choice of words and <laughs> his own language and 
uh, funny hothead sometimes. I don't know. I just think <laughs> it's, it's the only person that makes me laugh when they're mad because he's just <laughs> hilarious. But he's super serious when it comes to Suicide Squeeze. Like, that's his that's his baby. Yeah. Happy 20th anniversary to Suicide Squeeze. Really, David. Great work, David. You um, put out wonderful music. And thanks to all the bands on Suicide Squeeze and to Pony Time for allowing us to use your music in yeah. that piece. This episode you heard music from Pony Time again thank you off Suicide Squeeze you heard the Coat Hanger 764 Hero Childbirth Elliot Smith and Minus the Bear and of course at the beginning of the show you heard Mud Honey and all of that music is on a playlist for you to enjoy mm-hmm. on Sub Pop FM you can find that and so much more all all 10 episodes from season one all 10 episodes from season one Stuart Fletcher's show notes John Atkins artwork yeah. um, our amazing podcast <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what more do you want? Really? really? It's all yes. there. Or, you know, also, and also, plus also, <laughs> Twitter and Facebook. Find us there, Sub Pop Podcast. Tell us what bums you out at a show. Yeah, you can reach us at Sub Pop Podcast on Twitter. Let us know what bums you out on a, at a show. We all have our own things. I hate when I can't get to the water tub oh, and get yeah. water at a show. That's my thing. Yeah, no, that's no good. I got to hydrate. I also don't drink, so I need something to do. Yeah, a little errand. <laughs> yeah, I do. Occasionally I need an errand. Sure. People understand that. That's totally reasonable. So, okay, also at the beginning of the episode, you said that this was meant to be our last episode. Right. But it's not. Why no. is it not, Arwen? Well, we knew we wanted to give the last word to Megan Jasper. She has been such a huge supporter of this project the whole time and has been so kind to us as we're trying these things out. And we really thought it would be wonderful if our, you know, season finale was talking to her, um, giving her the last word. But then she had so many good words that we decided to just make her her very own bonus episode. And so that's going to be coming out later this week. Yeah, it feels appropriate. Yeah. and, And right. And she has such good things to say. Yeah. And plus, you don't want to just you don't want to leave out any of the pranks once she starts talking about nope. it. They're too good. No, nope. too much good stuff for just one part of the last episode. So episode 10.5. Yes. This one's for you, Megan Jasper. Thank you, Megan. And actually, yeah, later this week. <laughs> Hopefully, if we, if we can get can it out by Friday. It will be there. Yeah. And it, yes, it's going to be the on April 1st, Sub Pop's anniversary. Our 28th birthday. Right. Yeah. That's pretty great. I would say. I feel good about it. Yeah. <laughs> I would hope everyone else does. Good job, Jonathan. Hey, and while we're saying good jobs, thank you to Chris Jacobs, mm-hmm. Megan Jasper, and Jonathan Poneman. Thank you so much, you guys. Thanks for letting us do this. Really. Thank you. Okay. Dun, 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 dun. also heard music from love is laughter and washed out we almost forgot to thank them thank you guys
Butts on boners is the worst. So explain butts on boners if it needs any explanation. I mean, I think it does need an explanation. And it is not gender specific, although it could be gender specific. But it's when you're at a show and couples just be cuddling. Oh, see, that's not what I, that's not what I thought it was. What'd you think it was? I thought it was like there's so many times I've been at a show and I'm like up against the very front and some dude Ooh, accidental you boner. You can't escape and then all of a sudden you're just getting you're just getting rubbed up on oh, no, with the I, boner cuz no. this guy is finally getting some some touch. <laughs> that could be I mean that could be about some boners too. That's happened. To me it's the couples that are just like arms around each other just like just you know just that they're, I just yeah but like the sway is so powerful that there's definitely a boner going on you know it could be like a physical boner or a mental boner but you it's can't like get mad at a mental boner no i'm mad because i don't want to see people <laughs> fucking making out or like grinding up on each other i don't want to smell people farting and i don't want to see butts on boners